0: The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast, produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is a, a special edition. Um, this is me uh, at 930 at night in my uh, special podcasting studio from home, aka my bedroom closet, talking specifically about uh, an update of the Wuhan virus. Uh, Since we last talked, the uh, uh, count has now risen. Uh, There's now 80,000-plus cases uh, worldwide. It's now spread to 37 countries at this moment, I believe, and there are over uh, 2,800 deaths. Um, There's a couple of things I wanted to say. Um, Updating, there's not much new. right? This is a respiratory virus. it's still, uh, I think the biggest news since the last update is there seems to be a, a, a prolonged period of infectiousness uh, outside of symptoms. So before symptoms um, begin that, uh, you know, they talk about now a two week quarantine period, which is just horrendous, just awful. Um, that's that's pretty terrible. Um, and that's that's what we're going to talk about now is the fact that you know, uh, I, the reason I had this podcast tonight—it's uh, it's Ash Wednesday, um, Wednesday night, February 26—is when I'm recording this. Um, I just listened to the press conference um, from the president and from Vice President Pence, and uh, uh, I am—I'm not a political guy. Um, I'm a registered independent. I—I—I I, uh, I try to stay out of that stuff as much as possible. I'm very apolitical. Um, but good lord. Good Lord, what an absolute dumpster fire uh, that press conference was! Um, you know, I, I think that clearly uh, the country is trying its best to prevent panic, um, which is very admirable. Um, but I think completely uh, <laughs> not based in reality some of the conversations, some of the some of the discussion subjects. Um, uh, I think if anything, that was a, co- uh, a conference that made things worse, not better. I know it's done to to stop the markets from crumbling and to, um, to we'll look at the economic side. But I mean, good Lord, what an absolute dumpster fire that was. Um, so here's the deal. Um, as of right now, there's a case in California and yet has contracted coronavirus. Uh, it's in a county that's next to an Air Force base that took uh, people that were on the cruise ship. So that's Pretty clearly, probably how it was uh, transmitted. Although that makes me assume that there's a healthcare worker who is a vector um, connecting those two people. Um, that's a complete assumption at this point, and I should probably go back and delete that. But I think that this is this gets back into the we, we know we've seen that religious service um, in South Korea that one case that brought it in from China, then infected up to. Several hundreds, if not a thousand patients could have been um, all uh, infected or exposed based on one patient, just based on how contagious this thing is. So I think that this just gets back to the point where when we get to this stage now, where now we're in multiple countries and you just can't ban travel from one country... Uh, Saudi Arabia just announced tonight that they are banning all international travel. And that's huge for them because they have, you know, trips to Mecca and the religious um, um, importance uh, that, that a travel ban would have. Um, I think that that just gets back into the fact that, you know, the Iran is, and Iraq are now leaking cases like crazy. Uh, we're going to see cases in the United States. It's just it's an unavoidable acceptance. I think that we can learn from China, who has actually done a really good job at quarantine and, and holding this thing off, um, about aggressive quarantines. And that's really the only way that you can curb this. Um, I know we're like nine to 15 months from a vaccination, and that's our next best guess. Uh, there's been some good anecdotal reports, not anecdotal, but single case series reports of treating this with antivirals and antiretrovirals which I think are interesting, but probably absolutely not for average patients. But what does this mean? I think that I think that with all these cases from around the globe, I think the cat's out of the bag, uh, the horse is out of the barn, the chicken's flown the coop, whatever animal analogy you want to use. Uh, and I think we need to focus now on, well, what should we as uh, primary care providers, what should we as leaders of our organizations be talking about? Um, and I think it's pretty simple. Uh, I think it's about smart education, that this is a respiratory virus. This is not going to be the end of the world. It's going to be a very, probably, community by community, very disruptive infection. Thankfully, based on statistics, young people, including very young children um, and young adults, are not very affected by this. Uh, By all accounts, um, about 80% of cases are mild. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm not going to get hung up about this 2-3% to mortality rate is because... I think clearly as we're seeing in these cases around the globe where this one person uh, infects hundreds is that a lot of these super spreaders, a lot of these people who are causing them before they're symptomatic are minimally or mildly symptomatic at best. Um, 80% are not bad. And so I think that we're going to see, I think that we're seeing an underdiagnosis of people that you know have basically a cold-like symptom um, and are not being diagnosed with coronavirus and yet are being vectors to spread this thing. So I, again, I'm not going to, we now have a lot of data. You know, initially when I said on the initial podcast, I said, oh, the the mortality rates are going to come down. They're going to come down because we're gonna, we're underdiagnosing cases. The mortality rates have not come down. And again, we still could be underdiagnosing, but we have a lot of data now. So this is the part where I, as a uh, as a not infallible person, need to come out and say, you know, I could just be wrong and the mortality could be two to 3%. We know that the data says that the people who are most at risk are going to be uh, seniors, they're going to be elders. Uh, patients above 85 specifically are super high risk. About 15% mortality rate in that bracket, and those are the people who have super high complications, get hospitalized very easily for regular colds, the way things are, and other illnesses, and uh, are are at very high risk. Thankfully, uh, if you appear to be, based on the data that I've seen, under the age of 30, the mortality rate is you know, the last data that I saw looked like it was a fraction of percent. Uh, 0.01 to 0.02% mortality rate for that bracket. So, um, and that's, and that's what influenza is um, historically. So again, I think that, I think that this is a very severe illness. I think that it's definitely going to cause a significant amount of morbidity and mortality, especially in our geriatric populations. We're going to have to talk about quarantine in entire nursing homes for no visitors for several weeks. And even then, I think that we're going to really, really struggle because with influenza season, you just, prophylax the entire uh, nursing home with Tamiflu and get some benefit from it. Uh, so far, that's not been shown to do anything so far, at least. Uh, hasn't been proven and it likely isn't going to do much. I think this gets back to my first uh, thing I want to talk about, hey, eight minutes into the podcast and look who's talking about the thing they wanted to talk about in this podcast. But as leaders, as primary care providers, as leaders in our own clinic, as as healthcare leaders, I think that we need to be educating the public um, on the importance of if you feel sick, don't go to work, quarantine yourself, uh, stay home, don't expose yourself to old people, don't go to church, et cetera. I think we as community leaders need to be stepping up and saying, hey, let's talk about you know if this does start affecting schools that we need to you know shut down schools be community leaders and talk about distance learning and set up new new ways to think about educating our children if we did have a pandemic that came through our communities um, i think that's a little bit much to do at this moment but i think now is the planning stages from a clinic standpoint an operational standpoint how are we going to manage and triage these cases do we need to see these people should be should we be phone triaging them away should we be keeping them out of the clinic regardless having them come to the lab or set up a, a testing ground off site where basically you have techs in full, you know, biohazard (laughs) regalia, basically like N95 respirators who are testing these people, you know, should we be completely keeping them away from our clinics, let alone, uh, you know, and waiting until they have pretty bad symptoms before we send them to the hospital, et cetera. For you in small towns, what's your policy? What's your contamination? What's your quarantine? Um, Process going to be. Again, I don't think we need to panic. This is not going to be the end of the world. Uh, for most listeners on this podcast, we're going to be exposed. For n- 90 plus percent statistically, 90, probably it's probably closer to 99% for people on this podcast, you're going to be fine. Uh, not even probably hospitalized, probably not even um, anything more than a very, 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 very severe respiratory illness, um, but you're going to be fine. I think that we have a lot of patients who are not going to be fine. And I think that we need to start planning. I think we need to have a discussion in this country about do we value virtual visits and digital healthcare and video visits where you can call a provider on your phone and they can, you know, use that technology then to have a medication follow-up, a discussion about depression, anxiety, things that I don't need to have a physical exam with. Why can't we do this virtually? And, you know, right now we have the technology that here in my own medical group, animal medical group, yay, and we're in a big pilot to make it even better. but the thing is it doesn't it's not reimbursed we don't value that as a country it, we don't value that tool as worthwhile to the same reimbursement as a normal 992 and 3992 and 4 and so therefore we have not pushed that because the economics have not have not encouraged us to push that technology in a pandemic you know we have to rely on those type of technology pieces. I don't want my 80-year-old. I don't want my sick 70-year-old. I don't want my cancer treatment patient to come into the clinic, let alone, you know, come go to the same lab these patients are going to be in. So I think we need to have conversations about how we, you know, allow access of care for patients with, you know, random viral stuff uh, versus what do we do with our older populations? How can we leverage technology to benefit this? Uh, As a member of a church, uh, do we need to be having conversations with our church body about when there's a local outbreak that we cancel services or do them virtually you can post services sermons you can have things on youtube now you can easily have uh, entire you know live streams of things and so i think we need to start having conversations in our local communities a little bit about what is the what is the uh what's our game plan about this because we're going to see this is going to happen maybe not in my community maybe not in your community but in definitely going to be in your state Uh, i can almost uh, i again i'm not an epidemiologist i'm not a statistician i'm not going to play doomsday scenario we could still contain this we could still quarantine this but the thing is unless we're going to ban all international travel for the foreseeable future it's in too many countries to prevent localized mini outbreaks Uh, Just like that case in South Korea where one person came back and spread it to their entire church, we're going to have people who vacation to Italy and were there when, you know, when the Italy outbreak happened or next it'll be Portugal or next it will be London or next it will be, you know, South America and they'll just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. There won't be a travel ban for that country and suddenly there will be an outbreak in a local community and we'll quarantine them and we'll probably do a really good job about keeping it. But that's what we're going to be dealing with probably for the next You know, six months, to be honest, and maybe even longer until there's vaccination for this. And so I think we need to just be having conversations about what this looks like. Uh, Thankfully, probably once you're you're infected, so far we have not seen much for mutations or changes, question mark. Uh, Again, I don't want to spread misinformation, but at least that's the benefit where, again, it's hard to say like this is going to turn into a yearly pandemic like influenza, which keeps mutating and rotating and having antigenic shift and drifts. Um, And so I guess we'll cross fingers, pray, do whatever your religious beliefs are to 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 ask that that doesn't happen to this coronavirus, which doesn't happen to most bugs. But again, um, I think that we need to be having conversation about what are what are epidemic, what are what are pandemic responses and how we can handle that not only as clinicians, but also as community leaders. I think we need to be stepping up and having these conversations um, because it's it's not going away uh, and we need to be prepared. This is not doomsday. This is not end of the world. Uh, Most people are going to be just fine. Everything's going to be all right. But I think we need to be having conversations. And uh, I think I've repeated that sentence about six times now. So with that, I'm going to say, you know, this is a a little bit different podcast. Sorry if this was... uh, not what you're used to or not what you signed up for. This was me kind of rambling for 14 minutes on the current state of affairs Um, and the fact that I do 100% believe there will be local community outbreaks, person-to-person spread that isn't international travel-based or came in from internationally and then spread locally. I think it's absolutely going to happen. I think we should absolutely be prepared for very disruption of our normal day working lives uh, and the lives of our family members and our kids and our communities and our church services and our um, and our local clinic day and our hospital workflow. But again, I think we need to be prepared for that. And I think we need to be having those conversations today, not having them three months from now when suddenly there's a case in my city or in my state that's you know being spread and now there's a huge outbreak and there's thousands of potential cases so I think again uh, think about these things uh, bring them up uh, at your med staff uh, think about them talk about them and uh, have a plan push for virtual visits uh, try and get healthcare uh, insurers to pay for them that's never going to happen but uh, that's a high in the sky apple pie wish Um, but again I think we need to be starting to think outside the box and have some plans okay I'm going to stop rambling okay have a good night everyone Uh, don't need to stay up all night stay up to date Uh, have a great day see you later also, I highly apologize that I used the Wuhan virus uh, in this podcast. I should have said COVID-19, uh, as that's the appropriate term. And I think it's important that we don't call it the Wuhan virus, um, especially in public. And so I'm going to condemn myself for what I said today, uh, just because, again, I, I think there's already a negative stereotype associated with Chinese patients and uh, with Asian-Americans in general based on the, where this uh, infection originated from and uh, they don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. And so again, COVID-19, not Wuhan. Okay, bye.